on the intro, I guess. Huh? <laughs> Hot. Pro- very professional start to the show today. Yeah. Um, welcome into the Dirty Water Fantasy Podcast, episode 19. Um, we just finished up week eight of the NFL season. We are talking waivers today. We're talking streaming options, injuries, trade targets, all for week nine yeah it's a packed show we're 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 halfway through the season that is crazy we so we might as well announce this now our next episode is going to be episode 20 is going to be a mid-season review so we Chandler and I are still working on exactly what the details of that will be but the point is you know that episode will be there to serve as a recap of you know, the first half of the 2021 fantasy season and what to expect for the second half. Basically, we're going to get you ready for your playoff runs, um, really pushing towards the championship that we're we're trying to, to help you win. Yeah, countdown to playoffs is on, and it's, uh, it's crazy that we're at that point, but the teams that are in the mix right now, it's time to start prepping and looking at those playoff schedules and figuring out, okay, who, uh, who's going to be my, who are going to be my guys when it comes to those, those, uh, put up or shut up weeks. So look out for that. That'll be episode 20. You can check us out on all platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple podcasts. Make sure you review, like us, subscribe us, click the subscribe to us, uh, click the bell. Um, Share it with your friends. You can check us out on our website as well, anchor.fm slash dirtywaterfantasy, Twitter at dirtywaterff, Instagram dirtywaterfantasy, Facebook dirtywaterfantasy. Didn't introduce ourselves. My name is Miles Ullman. You are? Chandler Henning here, folks. Yeah, there we go. Um, pretty exciting week of football. What um, Do you want to do? You want to talk about your, your league updates, and then we can um get into some of our takeaways yeah um it's quick and it's good this week actually i am tracking towards three and oh in a week for the first time in a very long time um snaps i believe thank you thank you uh i think credit mostly to daryl henderson there uh gonna shout out michael carter a little bit more later on in the episode but he had a role in that as well too um one 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 matchup still a little bit in the balance but i think i'm positioned well and uh if things don't go super crazy tonight in the Chiefs Giants Monday night game, then I will uh, again. I'll be three and zero at the end of at the end of the week. How about yourself? Nice. I am winning my. I'm going to win my work league. I'm going to lose our keeper league to Mister Chazine, and the two dynasty leagues are too close to call right now. Mm-hmm. I, I if I had to guess, I'll probably split them and win in Dirty Dozen, lose in the other dirty uh, in the other dynasty league um but overall I, i'm in playoff contention in all of them yeah which is exactly where you need to be at this point in the season that's all that matters it's not about how you start it's about how you finish just got to make the playoffs yeah absolutely um there was one before we get into takeaways there was one thing that you did this week that when when you did the move i texted you about it and i said we should definitely talk about this on the pod because it's a it's a strategy that we haven't broken down yet um and it's essentially playing defense 
in your league, and I want you to explain what you did. Yeah, of course. So this relates to the Keeper League that um, that Miles and I are in, and, and this week I was playing uh, Jake, and Jake did not have a very good option at flex as his flex two. Um, that that roster construction is standard. Um, no no defense, no kicker, but a second flex, which is a little little out of the ordinary, I think, for probably most of our viewers. So Jake did not have a very good flex two option, and once Devontae Adams has a positive for COVID, and we knew he was not going to play on Thursday, or we thought he was not going to play on Thursday in the in the Packers game, I didn't want Jake to pick up who I thought was the best receiving option for the Packers with Devontae out. And to me, that was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I know when that news came out about Devontae, there was all kinds of analysis in terms of, do you want MVS? Do you want Alan Lazard? Do you even want to go deeper and look at like Equinemius St. Brown? Does Tanya get a bump as well too with Devontae out? I thought that MVS was the best option with Devontae out, and I had a little bit of flexibility on my roster. So I actually picked up MVS before the game. In an, in an effort to basically prevent Jake from picking up that player and potentially starting him against me in our in our matchup. MBS didn't end up playing, which was totally fine. What I ended up doing is, before the game on Thursday started, I dropped MVS, and I picked up another player on waivers the following, the following morning. So it didn't hurt me. Like I said, I dropped a player who I think I was not going to use anyways, so it wasn't really a big deal. And I had a little bit of insurance there that... In my matchup, and that's that's your goal on a week-to-week basis is to beat the person that you're matching up against, that I was not going to have MVS putting up 15 or something against me because he was filling in for Devontae that week and getting all of that work from Rodgers. That's such an important point that your goal every week is to win that week. And really, fantasy football is a game of winning week by week. Yeah, absolutely. It's what it's thirteen straight week week to week matchups, pretty much. Right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, there are probably some leagues where there's a f- weird format, and what matters is your total points. But, but in most the leagues, vast majority, yes. vast majority, it's 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 head to head scoring yep. essentially, right? Yeah. And so, the idea that you know, I just checked, you spent three dollars on MVS. Now, like we said, it, it didn't really matter because MVS ended up not playing, but. If that $3 ended up going towards a win, that is $3 so, so, so well spent. Yes. Like, you know, it's difficult to put a value on how, uh, uh, to put a value on a win, on a guaranteed win. Right. Right? Yep. For, for a given week. And I'm so willing to spend $3 just to play defense. I think an- another example of this is we just helped Thomas. We, you know, we just gave advice to Thomas yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Where, you know, to, to quickly recap, basically he was in a situation where the guy he was playing, um, kept Lamar Jackson in his lineup, even though he was on by. And most likely that other guy will only win if he starts a quarterback. Thomas realizes last night going into, or, or, or you know, this is at 10 p.m. or something. So yes, so, with the Sunday night game in progress, exa- and exactly. the Monday night game, the only game to be played left. Exactly, the, the only available quarterback because everyone else had already played was Daniel Jones. Thomas actually dropped Daryl Williams off of his bench, picked up Daniel Jones, and now his opponent can only start Lamar Jackson in his QB slot, which means he's getting zero points for his QB slot. Yep. And so yes, Thomas sacrificed Daryl Williams, who might be a valuable piece yeah. of his roster for another week or two 
but more importantly, he bought himself a win this week. Yes. Yeah. And, and in our opinion, you know, my opinion and Chandler's opinion, it was worth it in order to guarantee himself a win. Yes. And there again, there are always costs of doing that. The the drop in Williams was a harder call, I think, for Thomas than it was for me to drop whoever I end up dropping to pick up MVS. Um, so, you know, the time of the week can matter in that regard, but Again, there's always going to be costs with dropping players, and you got to figure out, okay, what's the situation? Who does my opponent have? And figure out, you know, just picking up this one player who's available on the waiver, does that really impact, you know, the probability that I'm going to be able to pull out the win this week? And again, as we've said many times in the past five or so minutes, that is your goal on a week-to-week basis, to be the person across from you in your matchup. All right. Awesome insight, Chandler. What are your biggest takeaways from this week? Yeah, I could talk about the New York Jets, I think, in my takeaways for the first time this season. <laughs> and uh, you know what, Miles? Congrats. I, I owe you some congrats. I think the Jets have a franchise QB. Um, <laughs> fair to say that through one game of the Mike White area, the Drew Bledsoe Tom Brady redemption arc is alive and well. Um, so, you know, that's all good. Um, in all seriousness, Jets backup QB Mike White had an insane debut, uh, starting debut, I should say, on Sunday. 405 passing yards, three touchdowns on 37 completions. He's a Jets quarterback, so we had to add in two interceptions, I believe. The 405 passing yards are the. But sec- he just—he didn't even throw those interceptions. He just started the game with two interceptions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, by right, default, right. 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 Um, so yes, basically, he was—he was perfect in the game. Is what was what we're trying to say. The 405 passing yards are the second most in a starting debut since 1950, which is preposterous. I believe I saw that Cam Newton had the highest number of passing yards. Um, in terms of fantasy, because this is what this is about, this is what this podcast is about, there is not much advice about Mike White. He was almost certainly on your waiver wire heading into week, and, and he should stay there. Um, it is fun that the Jets coaching staff was non-committal about bringing back Zach Wilson, but that is where the Jets franchise potentially lies, and he will play once he is healthy. Um, it would not surprise me in the slightest if Mike White puts up six points next week. Um Actually, then that's a Thursday night game versus the Colts, which I think is a is a decent defense as well too. Let's talk about some fantasy relevant pieces though for a little bit. Wide receivers, although a couple of Jets wide receivers had decent games on Sunday, there are only two wide receivers I'm interested in rostering in your typical your typical league sizes. It's Jamison Crowder and Corey Davis. Now Corey Davis didn't play on Sunday; he's dealing with an injury, which also might be why some of the other call them auxiliary Jets pieces got some got some passing work. And that is important to note as well, too, because we do think of Crowder as the alpha in that in that offense from a receiving work standpoint. Quickly, on Crowder, Crowder caught eight passes for 18, 84 yards on nine targets. Since returning from injury in week four, he's averaging seven and a half targets a game. He is not an exciting player, but he's offering a solid floor on a week-to-week basis. My comp for him right now is Hunter Renfro light. Again, his floor is probably a little bit lower than Renfro because of the nature of these two offenses, the Jets versus the Raiders. But he's going to get you some number of receptions for probably a smaller number of yards. I love that the Jets are beginning to get the ball to Elijah Moore. But, and, and he's had two decent games now in back-to-back weeks. But this offense isn't good enough to support two fantasy-relevant wide receivers. And I don't see any indication right now that Elijah is usurping Crowder as the short yardage guy this season. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Just to, just to clarify that point two fantasy-relevant wide receivers beyond Crowder and Davis? Yes, correct. Got it. Correct. I, I, I still think that 
Davis is the one he needs to get healthy, um, and he's the guy that will go up and get the ball and have the deep work. And Miles, you had this right, I think, a couple weeks ago when Braxton Barrios was being productive. You said, hey, when Crowder comes back, he will have that short yardage work, and that's come to fruition, I think, as we've seen. Let's talk about the running backs, because this is really where the fantasy value on this team lies right now. The Jets have two fantasy-relevant RBs. That's kind of crazy, right? Right. <laughs> um, so this is a perfect case study in the value of receiving work, specifically at the RB spot. Ty Johnson, let's start with him, finished Sunday's game with a total of 19.6 fantasy points. He had 15 rushing yards on four attempts. That is terrible. Ty had a good day because he caught five of his six targets for 71 yards and a touchdown. He'd be a bigger deal, and he will be a big deal on the waiver, but he'd be a bigger deal if not for the other RB in this backfield. I am so happy to be talking about Michael Carter as a, as a breakout player this week. It's a little bit of personal validation, to be honest. This is a player we've been on since preseason, and over the past few weeks, we've highlighted a positive trend in, in the work that he's getting. Carter had 15 rushing attempts for 77 yards and a touchdown on top of nine receptions on 14 targets for 95 yards. That is just the most massive of volume from a running back. Um, I'm not really more, you know, what, what else you can say. That's just an awesome stat line. Miles, I'll kick it over to you for a moment here. I'm curious to hear your thoughts um, about like kind of what to do with Carter. For me, I think he's a solid RB2 rest of season. I think the Jets are beginning to understand that good things happen with the ball in his and the other playmakers' hands. And even though he's been injured, I don't expect Tevin Coleman to really be involved moving forward. If you can trade him for above that RB2 value right now off of an awesome week, I would encourage you to do so. But I would not be actively shopping Carter right now. See if someone comes to you with an offer that's above that that above that price and then work from there. Miles, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. It's actually, it's very reminiscent of the Giants of two or three weeks ago when the Giants kind of figured out, hey, nothing is really working for us. Why don't we just get the ball in our playmaker's hands Kadarius Tony, yeah. Sa- Saquon when he was healthy for a week or two, yeah. um, and let them go to work. And that's what the Giants have been doing. They've found some success. And I think that's what the Jets might start doing, is just dumping it off to Michael Carter and, and letting him work. Um, potentially Elijah Moore will get more and more involved. You know, you didn't mention this, but I still love Elijah Moore for Dynasty. Just, yes, it, it yeah, is absolutely. His, it is his rookie season, so need to temper expectations, but... Um, yeah, I think Carter is a solid RB2 rest of season. I think that he should not be considered an RB1 because he's still on the Jets. Yeah, agreed. And so if, if someone is valuing him as an RB1 because he was the RB1 overall this week, then sure, make that trade. But otherwise, I think you just probably have a good piece. And when you drafted Michael Carter in the eighth-ish round uh, this summer, this is what you were drafting him for, to be good for the second half of the season. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um, yeah, that's all I really had. Again, I, I think you know he's an awesome asset, and we'll talk a little bit more about Tevin um, in the waiver wire section. Uh, so over to you for your takeaway, Miles. Ty Johnson. Sorry, Ty Johnson. Not Tevin. Not Tevin. Don't pick up, Don't Tevin, pick up Tevin. Tevin. <laughs> To clarify, don't pick up Tevin. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins. Um, it feels like I've talked about the Dolphins a million times on this podcast, but here we are again. So let's start with Tua, QB position. He has actually been pretty good for fantasy. Um, spoiler, he will be my stream of the week. Tua has played in four full games this season, and here are his fantasy points on the week, and, and this is going chronologically in those four games. 
He had 16 points versus the Patriots, and I'm rounding, of course, 21 versus the Jaguars, 27 versus the Falcons, and 15 versus the Bills. Translation, he has been good against bad defenses, and still has a safe floor if he has an off game against good defenses, right? So, you know, this coming week, um, he has a very good matchup. I, I, I think, um, if you want to check Chandler, if you don't mind, sure. who, yep. who he's coming up on this week. The week after, he gets Baltimore, which is a good QB matchup. Um, then he has the Jets, which is actually a bad QB matchup, but not the worst. And then the Panthers and Giants, which are strong matchups. So you can potentially pick Tua up right now um, and keep him for the next five weeks as your starter. You know, save some fab, come playoff time, and you should be okay. Like he, he's not—he's probably not going to burn you um, in a given week if you do play him for the next five weeks. And Tua has Houston this week, so yeah. it's an elite quarterback matchup. So you know that's why he's—I'm streaming him this week. You know, start your QBs against start Houston. QBs against Houston. Um. And two has performed, and so have his weapons, right? He's been throwing to his guys. Waddle, rookie, has really emerged as a PPR machine. 13, 8, and 12 targets in his last three weeks, so I really trust him as a floor play. Devontae Parker had been injured but came back this past week and immediately saw 11 targets. It seems like a 1A, 1B situation with these guys. Quite honestly, I'm not sure who the 1A, 1B B is in this scenario. I think Waddle is the 1A, but not positive. Um, but I think they're both viable wide receiver threes for now. Um, will Fuller will also come back from IR at some point, but I think it's safe to assume that he is the third option on this team in, in, in terms of wide receivers when he does come back. That can definitely change, but not within a time frame that I care about right now for fantasy. Chandler and I talked about you know five minutes ago that you, you care about the week-to-week wins, and, and Will Fuller is not ha- helping you on a week-to-week basis right now. Mike Gesicki, um is underratedly the tight end four right wow. now in PPR. He he had a down game this week, and, and he still put up almost 10 points. His volume is is in the elite tier among tight ends, and, and, and I, I, you know, I don't feel like enough people are talking about it, so he may even be a buy low despite how good he's been. Um, and finally, the RB situation, you know, it continues to be murky. Malcolm Brown was sent to IR with that quad injury that we talked about last week. And and last week we talked about how this should open up some opportunity for Gaskin and Ahmed. Um, what happened is Gaskin got 12 rushes for 36 yards, and he had three receptions for 19 yards on four targets. Uh, Salvan Ahmed had seven rushes for 22 yards, a reception for six yards on two targets. And it's worth noting that Patrick Laird is also getting worked in a little bit. He got his first playing time with Malcolm Brown out, and he got his first target of the season. So Gaskin is, is clearly the running back to roster here, but I do think he needs to be viewed as an RB3 with upside um, rather than you know an RB2, RB1, since this team really seems to be set on using a committee for the time being. So those, those are my takeaways on all the fantasy pieces. It's a very weird murky team for fantasy but hopefully that helps walk you through it a little bit yeah the only thing i want to mention there is quickly about waddle um miles mentioned the the targets and how how good they've been over the past couple of weeks waddle did not have a good week in week eight um he only had four receptions for 29 yards on those 12 targets the 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 matchup for miami was terrible this week the bills are one of the toughest defenses in the nfl 
They have Tredavious White, who was a shutdown corner. I'm not sure if he shadowed on on Sunday, um, but it's just not a good a, not a good matchup for for wide receivers. It's possible that someone in your league is not paying attention to volume, and by that for wide receivers we do mean targets. And looked at that looked at that stat line and said, Waddle got me seven points this week. How is that a floor? I don't don't chase that. Chase the targets, and if you can go and get Waller right now as as a buy low, he absolutely would be. And yes, I don't. You know, I think we need to see Fuller come back and Devontae Parker to get healthy to figure out okay what are the various roles in this offense. But we're not asking you to go and buy Waddle as a wide receiver two. As Miles said, he's a solid wide receiver three, and maybe you can get him for a little bit cheaper than that off of a bad week. Yep, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, anything to add there? No, I think that's that's it. Let's get in to some injury recap and news updates and trade alert. Trade alert. Trade alert. Uh, <laughs> we're having fun today. <laughs> Mark Ingram was traded from the Texans to the Saints for some picks. Um, break this down for me. Let's start with the Saints. What is the impact to the Saints players, um, including Mark Ingram and, and probably more importantly, Alvin Kamara and... I guess, potentially Tony Jones. Yeah, I don't think Ingram probably changed a lot in terms of his value. Um, I Was it a week one that he got all that volume? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think obviously Ingram's opportunity goes, goes down substantially with the trade to uh, New Orleans, but there is some offsetting factors there because this offense, even without Jameis, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, is a better offense and will move the ball more and get more scoring opportunities than than the Texans did. And I don't think that the Saints bring in Ingram if they're not going to give him some goal line work. That has been his role, and they want him to be a bruiser. You know, it might be some third and ones as well too over the course of the of the game. But it would not shock me if Ingram gets some work there. So I don't think I see his value changing a whole lot. He's still probably in that. RB4-ish range, and if we see something different there, then we can adjust that moving forward. Tony Jones, again, I think this really invalidates him, unfortunately. Um, you need a, a Kamara injury for something to happen there and, and for him to have any value. And then finally, let's talk about Alvin. Um, you know, on the surface, this would seem to limit Kamara's value, but I actually think if you're a Kamara owner, you should be happy about this trade. Kamara's been getting work to the point of almost being like uh, you know can that he can't continue to get this much volume moving forward it's it is you know like he has been the entire offense in in new orleans right now and that's great until you know he gets injured because he's been getting 25 rushes a game or something like that and getting all this receiving work so i think if you're a kamar owner yes his number of touches might drop slightly um on, on a per game basis but it'll be good for Kamara from a health standpoint and his total season value to have Ingram there and being and mixing in in those short yard situations, you know, maybe getting some goal line work there as well. Yeah, and and, and Kamara's bread and butter has always been the passing work. And so we don't really care if Ingram is taking touches out of the backfield as long as Kamara is still getting his in the receiving game. Yep. Totally um, w- what is the impact to the Texans? I, I think I think I think when this happened, most of the reaction that I saw was, oh, pick up David Johnson, he's going to be unleashed. Well, here's what happened. David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, running backs for the Texans, they each had three opportunities this week for about one fantasy point each. Rex Burkhead, though, who hadn't 
had barely seen the field up up until then had actually the most opportunities in this backfield with eight um and he had had five combined through the first seven weeks so for whatever reason ingram leaving opened the the floodgates for rex burkhead um but are you interested in any of these three no i think there's going to be other wire uh, excuse me running backs on the waiver wire this week that i would rather roster than any of these guys and i would be happy to drop to pick up as well too agreed here is who was placed on IR since we last recorded. Once again, being placed on IR it means you are missing a minimum of three games. Miles Sanders, he had that low ankle sprain that we talked about last week, um, and we will get into the Eagles running backs a little bit later, but Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell pretty much all split work. Jordan Howard had 12 rushes for 57 yards and two touchdowns. Gainwell had 13 rushes for 27 yards, and Boston Scott had 12 rushes for 60 yards and two touchdowns plus a target. Malcolm Brown, we mentioned it already, um, put on IR with that quad injury. And Darrington Evans was put on IR with a knee injury, missing the remainder of the season. And this is significant because it removes him from the pickup list among Derrick Henry injury replacements. Spoiler, Derrick Henry was also injured, and, and we'll get to that in just a second. Yep. Um, here is who was out heading into the Week 8 games. Um, I, I, let's We'll start with Calvin Ridley. Um, for those who did not see, Calvin Ridley announced that he's stepping away from football at this time to focus on his mental health. And um, I think we we can pause here and, and just make a brief note that um, mental health is something that I, and I know you do as well, Chandler, take very, very seriously. Um, I, for those who don't know, I, I co-found, co-founded a brand focused around mental health and, and mindfulness and, um, who, you know, supporting mental health nonprofit organizations. Um, you, I know have a lot of family who work in the field. And so, you know, what I have to say here is, is fantasy football aside, we really hope that Calvin Ridley gets better. Um, and you know, takes the time to 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 do whatever he thinks he needs to do to 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 get himself right. Um, and I think it's important for everyone to do that, not just in football, but in life. Yeah, could not have said that better myself. The league is more fun when Calvin Ridley is out there performing. And evidently, there is stuff that is going on in his personal life that is preventing him from doing that. Again, you know, we hope that he gets the help he needs, he figures it out, and, and gets back out there because, again, this, this it's just a better league when he is making these crazy catches and being the productive, awesome, stud wide receiver that he actually is. Yeah. Um, for fantasy purposes, this is a fantasy football podcast. You know, we don't know how long he will be out for. He did not specify. The Falcons have not specified. Um you know, obviously we wish nothing but the best for Ridley here, but I think the way I'm treating it is as though he's out for the remainder of the season. Are you, what's your take on that? I don't think he knows the timeline. Um, so the you know, in terms of how long you need to make plans for, I think the safe bet is to assume rest of the season. And if Ridley comes back at some point, then great. You've got he wasn't a wide receiver one this season, but you've got a guy that you can pretty clearly, you know, slot into your lineup on a week to week basis and feel, feel good about him again, not where you drafted him perhaps, but as maybe that wide receiver, wide receiver two, high and wide receiver two. So, so I think we're probably in agreement that if you have an IR spot, 
I'm, I'm almost positive he's going to remain IR eligible. Move him to IR. Yes, agreed. What if you don't have an IR spot? Do you drop him? If you if you need the if you need the spot, I, I would. This is going to be hard because of the of the undefined nature of the time that he will he will miss. But if you can trade him away right now, and and it's between that and dropping some dropping dropping him, see if you can get something something back there because yep. getting any value in a trade is better than getting no value from dropping him. And maybe there is a team that is whatever uh eight and no uh yeah eight and no seven one that is a willing to take on a little of that risk and give you some somewhat productive piece back in return yep um i will go through the fantasy impact that i think for the for the rest of the falcons um stop me if you disagree with anything matt ryan gets a downgrade kyle pitts gets an upgrade he had a bad week this week but he is truly the the number one receiving option for the team now um cordero patterson is weirdly the best fantasy piece on this team uh mike davis was also more involved again this week 15 opportunities this week versus four the previous week we thought that russell gage would be more involved without calvin ridley but he actually didn't see a target and for whatever reason tajay sharp is operating as the number one receiver he saw six targets um five for 58 was his production. I should say that he's operating as the number one wide receiver, not the number one receiving option. That is Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson. Yeah, I think Gage would be the wide receiver to own, but the value... Over here, Tajay Sharp? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think that Patterson and Pitts are the, are the valuable guys in this offense, and just because they'll need to move the, you know, get the ball somewhere... Um, and Ridley was getting some volume before before he you know t- you know took himself out of out of this week. It would not shock me if Mike Davis also gets a little bit of a bump as well too. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on from Ridley, uh, Devonte Adams and Alan Lazard had were out with COVID. We knew that Antonio Brown is expected back week ten. He's dealing with I believe an ankle injury. Um, Taysom Hill missed this game with a concussion. Zach Wilson missed with a knee injury. We knew that. Jamal Williams was a surprise inactive um, with a thigh injury. Swift was a little disappointing despite the big opportunity, um, but uh, we hope Jamal will be back next week. Eric Ebron missed with the hamstring injury. Um, Pat Fryermuth had seven targets in this one without Eric Ebron there. Dawson Knox is still recovering from that hand surgery, so he missed time. Corey Davis, Chandler mentioned, he missed with a hip injury. Tevin Coleman. Chandler also mentioned that already, hamstring injury, um, and Michael Carter and Ty Johnson both had good games in his absence. Julio Jones missed with a hamstring, Donovan Peoples-Jones missed with a groin injury, Terrace Marshall still dealing with a concussion, Curtis Samuel still dealing with that groin. Man, Curtis Samuel is one of the biggest busts. Yeah. You know, it, we're, I'm pretty sure the football team is on bye next week, so he's not going to be back until week 10 earliest. Um, Kenny Galladay still out with that knee injury. That's tonight for Monday Night Football. Saquon still dealing with that low ankle sprain. Um, and Dak Prescott missed the game last night. He's still dealing with that calf strain that he suffered at the end of the game two weeks ago. Um, I, I did see a report just before we started recording that he may miss multiple weeks with that calf injury. Wow. But things seem to be trending upwards. He he warmed up with the team, I think. Yes, yeah. He was a true game-time decision last night. Yeah, so w- certainly something to monitor. Um, you know, I-, I think you have to assume that the Cowboys' pieces all get downgraded if Cooper, for whatever period of time, Cooper Rush is starting at QB. But 
CD and Amari actually had really good games. Yeah, totally. The only other name I, I do want to mention again quickly there is Friar Muth. We talked about him already over the past couple episodes. Again, I think we both reached tremendous fantasy option from a dynasty standpoint at tight end. My question is, you know, if Ebron is on the Ebron is on the older side, he seems like he's kind of been banged up for the past couple of weeks. If you are doing well and you're tracking towards the playoffs and you are not great at tight end right now, is Frymuth a target for you at this point? Yes. Okay, you, you believe that volume is gonna is gonna keep is gonna stay kind of rest of the season. Um relative to the other tight ends, yeah. Sure. You know, I, I think that he's as safe a bet for a low end tight end one as anyone else. Fryermuth or like Noah Fant rest of the season? Fant. Fryermuth or mm, I mean I'm assuming you're taking him over like the like Dan Arnold in that tier, right? Fry, I, Fryermuth or Goddard rest of season. Uh, that one's closer. Uh, that one's closer. I'll probably still say Goddard, but Fryermuth is just below. Dan Arnold, I, I'll put Fryermuth ahead of Dan Arnold right now because of the draft capital, but if Dan Arnold has Dan Arnold has another big week, uh, I'll move Arnold up. Okay. He got 10 targets in this one, and we'll talk about him in a few. Cool. Um, here are the healthy scratches for the week. Um, Joshua Kelly. This was a really interesting one um, because it was a game where Eckler came in questionable. He was a little banged up. And so we thought that Joshua Kelly had established himself as the handcuff to Eckler because in the two weeks preceding their bye, Kelly had touches, but Roundtree did not. In this one, Joshua Kelly was a healthy scratch. Roundtree had four carries. Justin Jackson had three. No targets for either of them. Um, I think the takeaway here is that it's still up in the air in terms of who the handcuff is, the true handcuff for the Chargers is, and whoever it is would definitely not be in that elite tier of handcuffs, you know, the the Pollards, the Madisons, the A.J. Dillons of the world. Would you agree there? Yeah, I totally agree, and with that in mind, these are not the kind of handcuffs I want to roster. So at the end of the week when you have some more roster flexibility because maybe some guy gets declared out and you can and you can move him to your IR spot— Guys like Roundtree, like Justin Jackson, I don't have interest in those kind of guys. I want like the Pollards, the Madisons, the Dillons, and yes, those guys are, are more rostered, but those are the kind of guys you should be rostering with those end of the bench spots, not not these murky, you know, Chargers is the good example here, backfields. Agreed. The only other name for the healthy scratch list is JJ Taylor. Um, there was a, a report actually from from New England that said he, that he and Ramondre Stevenson actually made a pact. Um, at the beginning of the season to alternate weeks on the inactives list. Did you hear about this? Yeah, that sounds fake, but honestly, it wouldn't <laughs> shock me. So I'll just defer to you on that, I guess. Yeah, that, that report came from uh, Miles Oman out of New England. Beat reporter. Yep, yeah, beat reporter. Um, in week injuries, oh, here's who got God. injured this week. Um, we're going to start with the one that makes me want to bash my head through a wall. Derek Henry, oh man, Derek Henry is going to undergo foot surgery tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, um, and he's expected to be out six to ten weeks. That means that at earliest, he will be back for week 14, which is the start of your playoffs. Most likely, it will be eight weeks, which means the earliest you'd have him back would be your your what fantasy championship, championship i think maybe maybe maybe, uh, maybe championship semis 
look, you know, maybe he's back for a late playoff run, but he's not getting you to the playoffs, um, at least moving forward. And we think that Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols will probably split with Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson just got signed to the Titans today. Um, this absolutely sucks. He was the PPR RB1, half PPR RB1, standard RB1. Um, and, and I know in PPR he was beating the RB2 by about 40 Handily, points. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Austin Eckler. You know, this absolutely sucks. It's the biggest injury blow of the season, I would argue. Maybe him or McCaffrey. Um, but, you know, we have to adjust. What is your take here in terms of how it affects the other Titans pieces, namely Tannehill, Julio, and A.J. Brown? Yeah, this is a tough one for me, Miles, actually, because the, the this offense was functioning best with the play-action pass game of basically daring defenses playing the Titans to stack the box in order to stop Henry and letting the talent of A.J. Brown, who's been a monster of late, and Julio, who has been disappointing, but... I think we still expect to come back and potentially be a productive member of this team, you know, to do work with, you know, with their talent. Um, obviously, the opportunities for these guys go up massively. They, they have to, you know. We're going to talk about some of the waiver options and the, and the backup options for Henry in a little bit here, but they just do not have the talent. Arguably, no one in the league has a talent of Henry, and they're going to have to pivot to the passing game. And, and yeah, that should mean more work for A.J. Brown and Julio, but this offense is absolutely worse with Henry not in the field, which means probably the scoring opportunities go down for these players as well. Um, and I will say one thing, it'll be interesting when Julio gets back, but AJ Brown's been getting volume over the past couple of weeks. I'm not sure how much more volume he can get. So, uh, you know, I don't, that one's kind of a tough one. I don't think, you know, there's again, there's the Derrick Henry injury and also Julio being out as kind of, I would imagine the third best fantasy option in this offense before Henry went down. So there's a lot of opposing forces here. I I would not be trying to really act on this on this offense right now in the sense of trading for or trading away any of these players. I'd give it some time to try and settle down and figure out what this might look like and then and then respond after that at that time. Agree one hundred percent. I don't have anything to add. Kyler Murray is the next name on this list. Um he had a medial ankle sprain I would say everyone gets downgraded if Kyler misses time. Absolutely. Um, Robert Tunyon, also on Thursday Night Football, done for the year with a torn ACL. Um, I personally would probably go with Alan Lazard to, to, you know, as sort of his replacement in a way, then MVS. I don't really want any other pieces. I don't want the tight end fill in in Mercedes Lewis or Degara. I don't even remember Degara's first name. You know, these are most likely what's going to happen here is Rodgers will throw even more to Devontae Adams and, uh, you know, Aaron Jones will get an uptick. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I don't have any interest in Lazard or MVS. Save yourself the headache. Okay. Um, Sam Darnold being evaluated for a concussion. Same thing here as Kyler. Everyone gets downgraded if he misses time, probably. Yeah, but it's, I don't know if it's that much, honestly. (laughs) That's the crazy thing. I was thinking about this. Because he hasn't been great. And yeah, you know, I dropped Robbie this week in a couple leagues because I I needed the roster flexibility. And I finally was like, I just, I need to cut ties with this player. Um, 
you know, the issue hasn't been volume for Robbie. It's been the, the catches. And yes, some of that's Robbie's fault. And certainly some of that it's Darnold's fault. I don't know. Is it possible? Is it in the realm of possibilities that PJ Walker is a better quarterback than Darnold? Yeah, I think it is. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think this is necessarily a huge downgrade. You're going to start DJ Moore. You, you have to based on where you've drafted him and you shouldn't be starting really any other pieces on that, on that team besides Chuba and you should still start Chuba. So this isn't really actionable fantasy advice. Agreed. Um, Jameis Winston. This is another big one. Torres ACL. He's done for the year. Taysom Hill is probably the expected starter at QB for New Orleans, assuming he gets back healthy from his concussion. If Taysom starts, I actively want Taysom on my team. You may, listeners of this podcast may recall preseason debates where I had Taysom Hill ranked in my top 10 QBs. Um, Certain other people did not have him ranked at all because they knew James was going to be the starter to start the season. Correct, you win. But I think Taysom Hill, you know, as a reminder, he was a top 12 QB, I think, in all four weeks that he started last year, filling in for an injured breeze. Um, so I actively want Taysom on my team, and we'll talk about that again in just a bit. I think Kamara gets a downgrade if Taysom does start. Oh, I think so as well, too. Um, the offense just functions differently. Taysom will run it more. Um, T.Y. Hilton already ruled out this week. They're, they're, they're playing the Jets on Thursday Night Football. He has a concussion. Damian Williams left the game with a knee injury. Khalil Herbert is the guy now. Um, Jalen Hur- uh, excuse me, Jalen Rager um, left the game with an ankle injury. James Robinson left the game with an ankle injury. He's considered day-to-day, and, and the report was that the injury is not considered to be serious, which is good news. But Carlos Hyde got work in his absence. He's a pickup. Again, we'll talk about him more in just a second. But um, if Robinson does miss a game, Hyde becomes a valuable asset. Yes, plug-and-play starter probably yep um rob Bunkowski is the last name up he left the game with back spasms let's move on to drop candidates i have two names for you this week chandler the first is alan robinson yeah drop him oh man i know i know that's it i mean you can read yeah read the bullets here miles oh my god i was so ready to read the bullets and you already went in sorry dude okay so this is this is that's really interesting. I, I mean, I don't disagree. I think Allen Robinson, you can drop, and I, I don't think you have to, but, you know, a few weeks ago we had Allen Robinson on this list, and it was more in like jest, not necessarily in jest, but it was more to, it was, a, it was a feeler. Like is exactly, this, how are you feeling about this player right now? Exactly, and it was for us to say, I think he's worth holding on to, try to trade him, whatever. But at this point. Justin Fields just had the best game of his career. He was unleashed without Matt Nagy holding him back. You know, they, they, they got to run the offense how they saw fit. Sorry, best injury designation of the entire year so far was <laughs> Matt Nagy being out with COVID. Um, you know, M- Matt, we don't risk any ills on you, but if you do want to take an extra week or something like that, that's totally fine with anyone that has any remote attachment to the Bears, the Bears offense. Yeah, and if you, if, if you play in a league where... Head coach, head coaches have scoring. Oh, yeah. Pick oh, up yeah. Matt Nagy's handcuff. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in Justin Fields' best game, Darno Mooney saw nine targets, and Allen Robinson saw just four. He caught three of them for twenty-one yards. Allen Robinson is not a key role player in a Justin Fields-led offense for the Bears for this season. That's just what it is. 
you can drop Allen Robinson and it hurts and he's probably the biggest bust right now, but it is what it is. Yeah, and look, waivers run for the vast majority of people on on overnight on Tuesday into Wednesday morning. The trade deadline is after that time or before that time, excuse me. So, you know, he should be locked in your lineup anyways through through Tuesday, you know, early early morning or I guess Wednesday early morning. If you want to see if he if he gets moved in that time because he has been a name on the trade rumor list, then then hold on to him. It's not that it's, it's never been the talent with Allen Robinson. It's the opportunity right now, and he has essentially no opportunity in a bad offense, and that's not a recipe for success in fantasy. Yeah, we have one more name to get through for drop candidates, but then obviously we'll talk about waiver targets, and it is important to note that the waiver targets this week especially can change after we put this yes, out because yeah. of the trade deadline being at the end of the day on Tuesday. Yep. So, so, so try and keep an eye on that news. Yes, over, exactly. Over the next day. Please monitor because we cannot be there, um, to, to get you through it through it via this podcast, but I will try to tweet out from my, um, Twitter at miles Um, last nice name plug. for what you said? Nice plug. Thanks. Um, last name for drop candidates is Devin Singletary, um, Zach Moss has really established himself as the back to roster in Buffalo. Devin Singletary had seven carries to Moss's eight this week, and Singletary had one target to Moss's seven targets this week. Yeah, find a drop. I the the running the rushing attempt work is not the valuable work in Buffalo, especially. And if Moss is going to significantly out target Singletary, then Singletary is not valuable. All right, we'll get into some waiver targets. We'll start at the running back position as usual. And the first name up is Carlos Hyde. He's 7% rostered this past week, filling in for an injured James Robinson, I think pretty early in the game. Um, He had nine carries for 32 yards on the ground, and he had eight targets through the air, caught six of them for 40 yards. He is a fantasy starter if J-Rob misses time, yes? Yes, and I would, if you are a J-Rob owner in a fab league, I would spend up a little bit to get get Hyde. We've seen, again, it seems like it's coming for everyone this season. Just save yourself the headache and have him on the end of your bench. And yes, it sucks to use a bench spot in that way, but... I, I would spend up a little bit if, you, if you're a J-Rob owner. Fair enough. Um, the other big injury to react to is the Derrick Henry one. Jeremy McNichols is 5% rostered, and Adrian Peterson is 0% rostered. These are the handcuffs with Darrington Evans going to IR. Which of these do you prefer, and, and how interested are you in them? I prefer McNichols. To, so let's first take a step back. AP got signed today. He was a free agent. He got signed today by by the Titans. I prefer McNichols because the reason that Henry was valuable was because his rushing talent. That is a pretty rare exception in the league. Nick Chubb is the other name that comes to mind as a guy who gets it done primarily on the ground, but it is a very small exclusive list made up of elite, elite running backs. AP was that at some point. He is not that anymore. McNichols, we've seen him actually get passing work in this offense, even with Henry, even with Henry there. Um, that is how the you know, like worst running backs are productive, and for that reason, McNichols is the guy o- over AP. Um, I'll kick this back to you, Miles. Like, if you're a Henry owner, and if you're not a Henry owner, I am. You are a Henry owner. What are you spending to get McNichols? You're certainly burning first waiver priority, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, You're burning first waiver priority to get McNichols, absolutely. Um, in terms of Fab, it's tough because the Titans 
are telling me with this move signing Adrian Peterson that they don't have full confidence in McNichols to be a workhorse and they're going to use a running back by committee. I think McNichols' touches will go up versus what we've seen, but, you know, he's not going to see elite-tier volume, and he's not an elite-tier talent. So I would probably spend about 25% of my fab, but nothing more, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm willing to spend that with, the risk in mind that he may very well disappoint and not return on that fab. Yeah. The, uh, what I'll say there is I think there is a chance that McNichols can be a low end RB two on a week to week basis with the passing work. If that helps your team survive until the playoffs and you can buy some time to figure it out, then I don't mind spending whatever part of your fab budget you feel is worth a, low-end RB2, maybe it's some weeks a high-end RB3, you know, for the next eight-ish weeks of the season. Fair enough. We'll move on to Ty Johnson. He is 10% rostered. He was four for 15 on the ground this past week, but he had six targets, caught five of them for 71 yards and a touchdown. We broke down the Jets already. Chandler did. Um, Ty Johnson is undervalued right now, and, and I think you should go out and get him. Yeah, and it's not just this week, by the way. It's It's been the past couple weeks he's been yeah. getting work. So this is a trend, and, and we buy trends. We'll move on to the Eagles running backs. Um, Miles Sanders is, an, is on IR. Um, Boston Scott, rostered in 24% of leagues. Jordan Howard, rostered in, thir- in 3% of leagues. Each of them had 12 carries. Each of them had two touchdowns. Beantown Scothew, he had a target. Um, but, but for the most part, there were even splits for these two and Kenneth Gainwell Gainwell, like we mentioned earlier, he had 13 carries, but zero targets. The snaps broke out such that Boston Scott was the leader with 45%, then Gainwell with 31%, then Howard with 25% of snaps. It's tough to decipher this situation. Um, it is, it's a really weird game where Hertz only threw the ball 14 times because they whooped the lions purely through their rushing attack. But, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to pick up and hold these guys and wait a week until we have some more clarity. Totally agree. Rashad Penny is the next name, uh, running back for the Seahawks, 33% rostered. Um, Alex Collins and Rashad Penny uh, are starting to split a little bit. There were 10 carries for Collins in this game to 7 for Penny. Neither was targeted. It's worth noting that Penny's snap percentage actually decreased from last week and Collins' increased, but uh, you know they were closer in touches than they were last week. So I think it's just something to monitor. Pete Carroll himself admitted that Chris Carson might not be back at all this season, which is not good news for Carson, obviously, but Collins and Penny might just be an RBBC or one takes over at some point. But you know, right now, I think it's worth rostering both. Yeah, agreed. But I do think that the other options there, like Travis Homer, limit some of that upside. And if it was a pure RBBC with those two, I'd maybe be more interested. But those other running backs are going to get touches as well. And this offense should be better passing-wise as well when Russ gets back. True. Um, Jarrett Patterson, 3% rostered. He, for those of you who don't know, he is a running back for the Washington football team. He car- he outcarried Antonio Gibson eleven to eight. Um, McKissick out targeted Gibson eight to three. 
So this is now an RBBC. Things are trending down for Gibson. We'll see how it is coming out of their buy next week. But Patterson is an intriguing stash. Um, but but you do have to hold him through his buy. The only other name on our running backs list is Rex Burkhead. He's zero percent rostered. We talked about it already. Four targets, four carries, um, most opportunities among the Houston backfield. So something to 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 keep your eye on. We'll move on to wide receiver, and, and we'll speed it up a little bit. Um, Brandon Ayuk is the first name. He's 60% rostered, but it's worth taking a look, right? He had a season high in um, targets with seven. He caught a two-point conversion. He is just trending in the right direction. He had season highs in snap rate, route rate, target share. Um, worth taking a look. Jamison Crowder is the next name. Broke him down already. He had nine targets, 29% rostered. Jamal Agnew is a name we haven't talked about just yet. Um, Wide receiver for the Jaguars. He's 3% rostered. He had 12 targets in this game. Caught six of them for 38 yards. He hasn't seen fewer than six targets in his last three games. He might be Trevor Lawrence's favorite target. He's being targeted more than Marvin Jones right now. Yeah, um... We thought that one of Marvin Jones or Lovisco was going to step up with Chark going out, and it really has not happened this way. Maybe Jamal Agnew is that guy. Alan Lazard, we already brought him up, 18% rostered. He missed this past game on the COVID list, but has been acting as the wide receiver too for the Packers, and he could see more volume with Tony now. Um, and Tajay Sharp, once again, already brought him up, 0% rostered right now. He had six targets. He is the wide receiver too for the Falcons, as it seems right now. We'll move on to quarterbacks here. Um, Justin Fields, question mark, 36% rostered. He had 25 fantasy points, His the best game of his career. He rushed for over 100 yards, a rushing touchdown, um, a, a tough matchup in the San Francisco 49ers. I'm, I need to see it for one more week, I think, before I'm investing in Fields again. I, I, I worry about Matt Nagy coming back Seriously, and bringing him down. I was yeah. going to say, I, I need to see it with a week where Matt Nagy is, is calling plays in that offense. Yep. Um, and then Taysom Hill, another name that we already brought up. 7% rostered. We are expecting Jameis to be out for the season, He, you know, we are, which means we're expecting Taysom to be the starter. Um, and, and we have it here, what he did in his four-game stretch last season, 2020, when he was starting for an injured breeze toward the end of last season. 24 fantasy points, 18 fantasy points, 24, and 19. So the upside is huge. I will say, if you need a stream this week, I'd maybe wait on Taysom because, one, he's coming back from the concussion, and I don't think this is likely that Trevor Simeon is the quarterback rest of the season, but Simeon played well in a matchup that the Saints needed to win versus a good team in the Bucks, and... If you know, if they believe in Simeon and think they can get him through one more week, they might give Taysom one more week to get healthy. Fair enough. We we haven't talked about it, so uh, you're not picking up Simeon, I assume, if no, he is no, named no. starter. No. Um, Kamara, though, I guess is. What's the effect on Kamara if if Simeon starts? He's probably somewhere between Jameis and Taysom. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. Um, moving on to tight end. Dan Arnold, 11% rostered. He had 10 targets, as I mentioned, 8 for 68. He ran the most routes among all tight ends this week with 40. Something to keep in mind, I need to see it one more week because he's he's been a little up and down, but if he does produce another week, you know, he is going to be in that tight end one conversation. Pat Fryermuth, another name that we've already brought up, 26% rostered. 
Seven targets, caught four of them for 44 yards and a touchdown. Important to note that Ebron was out here, but still it's trending upwards for Pat, who, you know, he's a rookie, so we expect him to start slow and, and pick it up throughout the season. Um, we will move on to our streamers of the week. Who are you streaming at QB? Yeah, let's uh, let's look at Carson Wentz versus the Jets this week. Wentz has quietly been Mr. Consistently, consistency at quarterback to start the season. He's bet- been between 17 and 23 points in seven of the eight weeks. We know this O-line is good. They were highly ranked coming into this season. And importantly, Wentz's weapons have emerged, particularly in the form of Michael Pittman. The Jets haven't been a great matchup for quarterbacks this season, but I attribute that more to how bad the rushing defense is and how often teams end up in a running-focused game script. Wentz isn't flashy, but re- reliability and stability should be a focus when streaming, and that's shockingly perhaps Carson to a T. I teased it at the beginning of the episode. Tua Tungavailoa is my stream of the week. He gets Houston this week. Um, long story short, he has been good against bad defenses, safe floor against tough matchups, and he has good matchups for the next four or five weeks here. So um, pick him up and, and potentially leave him in your lineup for the next several weeks. Who are you streaming at tight end? My TE streamer for the week is Tommy Sweeney, tight end for the Buffalo Bills versus the Jaguars. One caveat here, this does assume that Dawson Knox is out. Um, He's recovering from the the hand surgery, TBD on his status for this week. We seem to say it every week in talking about tight end streaming options. We prefer not to chase tight ends, uh, excuse me, touchdowns at tight end, but if we have to, we want to chase on a good team. Sweeney got four targets in week eight, that's fine. The Jags are a plus matchup at tight end. Love it. My tight end streamer of the week is Jared Kiuk versus the Eagles. Um, the Eagles defend the wide receiver position very well, but they've actually been very susceptible to the tight end position. I don't think Herbert has a problem shifting his attention from his wideouts to Jared Cook, so I think there's a good chance Cook scores a, touch, a touchdown in this one. Love that. Uh, who's your defense? Yeah, New England Patriots versus Carolina. The Patriots have now had back-to-back good weeks on defense. They're getting pressure, and importantly for fantasy, they are forcing turnovers. Assuming Darnold is out, I'm not sure P.J. Walker is a significant downgrade, but even if he plays to around the same level as Darnold, this is still a matchup to target. My defense of the week is the Colts versus our Jets. Um, the Colts D has actually been really solid and is playing one of the worst offenses in the league, despite their blow-up game last week. Um, there's a decent chance that actually that the Colts were dropped this previous week ahead of the game versus the Titans. Um, pick them up. They now get the Jets, and then they get the Jags next week. So this is definitely a, a defense that you would play for, at the very least, two straight weeks. Yeah, good call. Who do you have a kicker? Yeah, Dustin Hopkins, who is now in the Chargers. They are playing Philadelphia this coming week. The Chargers are a good offense. Who should be able to move the ball um, on a decent Eagle, Eagles defense? As of yesterday, this was the third highest over-under of the week, mm-hmm. and that's what we want to target for our kicking. I'm streaming Jason Sanders of the Miami Dolphins versus the Houston Texans. Um, you know, Sanders and generally the Dolphins' offense hasn't been great, but teams have been putting points up against Houston, so I'm okay banking on, on the Dolphins doing the same this week. Um, and we will move on with that to our trade targets. Who are you buying low on this week? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders was one of the most disappointing players of Week Eight, probably. He had several straight weeks of twelve plus point, um, twelve plus fantasy points before the bye, and he had one of the best wide receiver matchups of the week as the Bills played the Dolphins. Here's why I'm buying low on Sanders. Sanders had four targets in Week Eight. 
that sounds not great, but it's actually not that big a drop from what he's been averaging up to this point in the season, which is six and a half a game. Zach Moss had seven targets in week eight, exceeding his previous season high by four, um, or of four, I should say, excuse me. I think Moss might get more receiving work, and that trend might might ha- might be persist the rest of the season, but I don't think it's seven targets on a week-to-week basis. I'm also not worried about Gabriel Davis. I'm confident that Sanders has the downfield passing work role in this offense when Josh Allen isn't targeting Diggs. Sanders shouldn't be that expensive. Again, due to the bye week uh, for the Bills in Week 7, he hasn't been a productive fantasy asset in two weeks. I consider Sanders to be a solid wide receiver three, and then you can get him right now for the price of a wide receiver four. Make that trade. I would agree. Um, my buy low for the week is Elijah Mitchell running the back for the Mitchell. Elijah on the missile Mitchell um, running back for the San Francisco 49ers. And he's actually coming off back-to-back good games, but I don't think that the consensus opinion on him is as high as it should be right now. Part of that is probably that he was supposed to be the waiver ad of the season right after the big week one. And he's disappointed a lot of fantasy managers with injuries or, or, or just underperformances since then. But in his five full games, he hasn't seen fewer than 11 opportunities. And he had at least 18 opportunities in four of five of those games. And he's been great with those opportunities. He's had at least 4.7 yards per carry in four of five weeks. Three of those five games have turned into 100-yard rushing games, which is actually as many or more 100-yard rushing games than everyone else in the league other than Derrick Henry, who you know is an alien. Um, he has three touchdowns on the season, which is a solid rate. And to be clear, I'm not cherry-picking these stats. He has gotten progressively better throughout the season over the last two weeks coming off of their bye. He's had 36 carries for 245 yards he's trending upwards which is exactly what you want to see from a rookie and here's the big reason why you should go trade for him his end of season schedule is awesome weeks 13 through 17 he gets seattle cincinnati atlanta tennessee and houston other than the titans those are all top 16 matchups that you want for your running backs he can really help you with your playoff run, and especially as we get further into the season, 18-touch running backs are getting harder and harder to come by. Yeah, absolutely love that call, and wow, that is an elite schedule down the uh, down the stretch there. Yep. Who are you selling high on? Yeah, I would sell high on James Conner running back for the Arizona Cardinals right now. With the Monday Night Football game still to be played, James Conner sits at RB17 on the week and RB23 on the season. That's PPR scoring. Conner is a statistical anomaly. He's one of very few RBs in the top 24 who gets essentially no passing work. Connor has eight touchdowns through eight weeks of the season. Miles, would you like to guess the list of running backs who have more rushing touchdowns than he does? No. It's one. Derrick Henry has 10. <laughs> um, the point here is that regression is coming for James Connor. He's getting under 50% of the snaps on a week-to-week basis, and he's splitting time with another good fantasy productive running back in Chase Edmonds, who only has one touchdown through week week eight. I expect that balance to shift back to be more 50-50. Connor is the perfect guy to include in a package for an elite wide receiver. RBs are dropping like flies, as Miles alluded to, and you could potentially get hit um, excuse me, you could potentially turn him, plus a lie a guy like Cortland Sutton, maybe, who has been eating while Jerry Judy's out, for a guy like maybe Terry McLaurin. And and if you have the depth to make that trade, I absolutely love that upgrade at wide receiver. 
I like it. My sell high is Boston Scott, um, running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. We've talked about Scott a little bit in this episode, and if you got Boston Scott, you probably didn't pay much for him. I, I think that there are plenty of fantasy managers desperate for a startable running back right now, right? So go find whoever in your league drafted Miles Sanders and ask that manager about Boston Scott. There's a good chance that he or she or someone in your league at least thinks Scott is the rightful handcuff in Philly. And look, he he might be, but that doesn't mean that he's a very valuable role that he's playing a very, very valuable role for fantasy purposes. He played only 45% of snaps. He only saw 13 opportunities. That's not a workhorse role. The Eagles also played the Lions, like we talked about, one of the worst teams in the NFL. They had their way with them on the ground, which is why Boston Scott scored two touchdowns, and that is just not going to continue. Going to continue. He will regress. Gainwell and or Howard will step up. Miles Sanders will come back. The the opposition will become more difficult. Not much is working in Boston Scott's favor right now. So cash in while he has value. Even if it's just a Sony Michelle type, to me, that's someone I'd much prefer on my team for the upside than Boston Scott moving forward. Ooh, I love that trade suggestion too. Go get an elite handcuff with the value that Scott has coming out of this week. Yep, 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 yep. Um, that'll do it for that segment. <laughs> um, we will move on to our look ahead for Monday Night Football. The New York Football Giants are visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. What are you going to be looking out for tonight? Yeah, keep an eye on how the Chiefs running backs look tonight. And I want to emphasize that, how they look. Since Clyde went down, Darrell Williams has had one very productive fantasy week and one very mediocre week. But... Unlike some of the other backups filling in for Belkai running backs, Khalil Herbert comes to mind as the best example there. Williams has not looked a part of starting starting running back. I still believe that the Chiefs like CEH and they want him to succeed. If he's going to immediately go back to getting that high teens for opportunities when he's back, he becomes a trade target for me. Another player that you know could be a low RB2 through the end of the season that probably doesn't cost that because he's been out for so long. And my what I'm going to be looking out for tonight, and 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 what I want and to rooting t- for as well too, and and also rooting for what I really want to title this this statement is, is it Kadarius Tony season question mark and season is spelled with spelled S Z N there obviously, um, hello fellow kids, <laughs> uh, Tony and Sterling Shepard are both playing tonight, Galladay and Saquon are out. We actually haven't seen Tony and Shepard on the field together for a full game since Tony broke out in week five. People have speculated that his usage will take a hit with Shepard still on the field, but I personally am of the opinion that Tony is going to see a ton of volume still. Um, I think the Giants are going to play through him, and I think, I don't want to be too bold, but I think Tony can be a potential league winner for fantasy. So I'm hoping that what we see tonight confirms that, or at the very least provides more clarity on the Giants' receiving situation. That's a spicy take, Miles. I love that to end the show. Yeah, we, dude. The uh, we for the midseason review. One thing that we should add to that show is also reviewing the spicy takes that we had. Oh yeah, the, the bold predictions that we had preseason and seeing where we're stacking up right now. Oh boy. Um, if you like what you heard, check us out on Twitter at Dirty Water FF. I'm at Miles Ullman FF or Instagram at Dirty Water Fantasy. 
Facebook, Dirty Water Fantasy. Our website's anchor.fm slash dirtywaterfantasy. And we're live on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, all that jazz. Like us, subscribe, whatever. We'll see you next week. On to week nine. Cool, good luck. R.I.P. Derrick Henry. While you're dying inside, dying inside. Oh!